Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon discuss Chelsea, Wolves, Manchester United and Liverpool progressing to the FA Cup quarterfinals. Who has this become a bigger trophy for this season? We're joined by President of World Athletics, Seb Coe, as TalkSport announces coverage of this summer's Paris Olympics. Plus, we reacted to the big breaking football story of the day with Paul Pogba banned for four years for doping. Is this the end of the World Cup winner's career? And we talk boxing with top trainer Angel Fernandez, who joined us live in studio. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. So last night, Chelsea Wolves, Manchester United, Liverpool all moved through to the FA Cup quarterfinals. And we now know, Simon, it lines up like this. Manchester City will play Newcastle. Chelsea will face Leicester. Wolves will face Coventry. Manchester United take on Liverpool. Wowzer. Um... Newcastle can't catch a break, can they? No, they can't. They, they've got to go to City. Chelsea and Manchester United struck late to overcome Leeds 3-2 and Nottingham Forest 1-0 respectively. They got there, but they got there late. But they got there as uh, Ten Hag, but first Pochettino <coughs> reflected afterwards. We needed uh, this result. wasn't great a, a great performance. Of course, uh, be great to lead because uh, it's a team that's full of confidence. Even when you concede... After a few minutes, the character that we show after this situation, I think uh, it's a thing to learn from the team. And, and of course, uh, on the end, so happy because I think we avoid the extra time and, and we score on the on the end and, and we are on the quarterfinal, I think, was our objective. Although we created very good chances, but also we allowed them some counters. And there was also second half, first five minutes. But after that... We took completely, I think, the control in the game. And we were more calm and composed. And as I say, we took the control and we created the chances. And we didn't allow them come into the counter-attack. So yeah, I'm very pleased with the uh, second half, especially. And I'm most of all very pleased uh, with the spirit from the team. Uh, the passion and desire they showed. And that, uh, that must be always the standard. So now we know. Ten Hag and Manchester United stay home to Liverpool. I said it in the introduction, Simon, keen to get your take on this. Who has this become a bigger trophy for this season? Ten Hag, Pochettino, 
or Eddie Howe? Um, well, each one of them has their own jeopardy in it, doesn't they? I mean, if you listen to Newcastle fans yesterday, there's no dissatisfaction with Eddie Howe and there's no immediacy to any challenges for him. So if you believe what certain sections of the media are suggesting is that he's going to be under threat for his job, then winning an FA Cup, albeit he's got a remarkably difficult task. I mean, we had a caller on yesterday saying <clears throat> Newcastle have had all their cup draws away and here they have another one away That's right. <clears throat> against arguably the best team in Europe right now. So that makes it incredibly difficult for them. Pochettino... Well, you know, what was he described as yesterday? A trophy dodger. You know, people people will constantly make that accusation that he's a bridesmaid. I'm one of those that he won't be... I can see him winning cups, but I don't see him winning Premier Leagues, which ultimately is the raison d'etre of Chelsea, I suspect, on his new ownership model at some point sooner rather than later. Right. Um, and then you've got Manchester United with a new a new influence, not owner, a new influence, a significant shareholder that's been assigned in the eyes of the media as being entirely responsible for the football operation that looks like he's going to cut a swathe through what's gone before. So all of them have individual jeopardy and individual... I don't know who has, it, who has a more important task in hand in front of them of winning the FA Cup. Each one of them has great value. You could make a case for each one of them having a real necessity to win this tournament. Um, Maybe Ten Hag should watch out. We remember what happened to his fellow countryman, Louis van Gaal. Yeah. Win yeah. the FA Cup final. And got bidden the next day. Then you're out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, there's no indication <clears throat> that Jim Radcliffe is not going to do anything sensible besides look at the, not do anything that's not sensible. And if he believes Ten Hag's the right way forward, he'll make his decision based upon what he sees rather than what other people suggest he should see. Look, I, I think the um, the one that probably will serve to get the most benefit from it is probably Chelsea. Because you've got this underlying narrative of the owners are clueless. They've wasted enormous amounts of money. They've got financial fair play obligations about to come down on them on, on like a ton of bricks. Yeah. They've got a, 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 a group of players that aren't functioning at a high level. And they've got Pochettino that people are questioning. I mean, I saw the interview that he did with, um, with Laura on ITV and it was like an excitable little bunny, wasn't he? Desperate to convey to the world a certain viewpoint and it, was, it wasn't like listening to a Premier League manager. Some might say it's refreshing that he was quite candid and low-key and, and communicative. <laughs> Others might say, I'm not quite sure... That's a little bit odd. ...what, what you were all about in that interview. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You seem like a very nice bloke and I'm not sure that Premier League managers need to be nice blokes. They need to be strong leaders. Maybe, there's a, maybe I'm just being a little overcritical and maybe it's just the natural exuberance of having won a game and the feeling that after losing a cup final he saw his side bounce back because playing Leeds in an FA Cup game where they've got nothing to lose and they're in a rich vein of form yeah. leads full of confidence is a difficult task and would have been a diff difficult task for anybody I think Mauricio is like that though Simon having met him on numerous occasions way back when he w went to Southampton under Cortese he's full of um, goodwill bonhomie yeah. Um, yeah. he's great but make no mistake when push comes to shove there's a steal there it, there's a steal there yeah. I mean nobody plays for Argentina uh, in defence yeah. if they don't have a no, bit about them yeah. uh, and he did exactly that Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. We put it out there. Um, who's the cup more important for? Is it a bigger trophy this season for Ten Hag at United, Mauricio at Chelsea or Eddie Howe at Newcastle? And many of you getting in touch with us on that one. Tom's a Leeds United fan. Tom, regrettably, mate, it's no longer a cup competition for you how are you this morning yeah gutted but you know I think that they, 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 did, a, they did a cracking I think they did as good as they could um, they had a cracking game against Leicester uh, last weekend as well so I think that it's uh, 
you know, it's bad, it's, it's sad, but you know, you've got to get on with it. Well said, Tom. So now you want your say on this uh, on this FA Cup debate as well. What's your take on it all? So I think that it's going to be some cracking games, but I think it's mo- the most important one is going to be for Chelsea. I think the way Chelsea are now, sat 11th in the table, they're not going to they're not going to win the league. They're going to get nowhere near. They're going to probably not even get Champions League or Europa League next season. So they're going to have nothing to hit back with next season apart from just to start again. And I think if they don't win the FA Cup, there is a serious conversation to have about whether that manager will continue next season. Um, I think with the amount of money that they've spent on the squad that they've got, I just think it's the most important thing for them to crack on and win. Will they do it? I don't know. I think I think Man City will still win. Um, I think that they've got more in them to do it. I think it'll be Man City-Liverpool in the final and that'll be an amazing game. Great call, Tom. Thank you for that. Funnily enough, Chris uh, in Leicester says, I think we will do Chelsea. I, I think we've got Chelsea's number, says uh, Chris in Leicester. Uh, James is a big Newcastle fan. James, good morning. Where do you stand with Eddie at the moment? Um, obviously, you get through the other night on uh, on penalties at Blackburn. But how massive is this competition from a Newcastle perspective and Eddie's perspective? Yeah, I mean, basically, hi guys. Um, morning, James. We we should have won the Carabao Cup last season. Similar to that. Um, Manchester United weren't a good team, and this year we're just going backwards. When we lost to Arsenal, that's the biggest save we've had in ages. And then we played Blackburn. We made Blackburn look a very good side. We made them look a good side. We can't play the pressing game anymore, and that's the issue because our defence is too old. And I'm just saying, where's the plan B with Eddie Howe? And I'm going to get slaughtered by other Newcastle supporters here. But even if you take the Champions League, we had some terrible bad luck. But in the final half hour, we didn't have a plan B, which would have allowed us to maybe draw and play in the Europa Cup. Now, I'm a 62-year-old guy, never seen Newcastle win anything, ever. And it's always bad luck. We are an unluckiest thing, but unfortunately, Eddie Howe, in my humble opinion, hasn't got that plan B to take us forward. If you watched us against Arsenal, normally we're competing against these teams. But for the last three or four months, we just haven't competed. And we made Blackburn look a good team and we got away with it on Wednesday or Tuesday, rather. So, James, you no longer have any faith in Eddie? No, what I'm saying, Eddie did a remarkable job, yeah? But if we look at the fixture last year when we played Arsenal, we played a decent game. We played a high-tempo game. Now, yes, we've had lots of injuries, and I do accept that. I really, really do. But after the game against Arsenal, he said, I'm not sure why we didn't have the energy. Well, if you don't know, Eddie, who the hell does? And I thought, well, I'll let that one go because Arsenal are a good side. And when they do, they're great. But when I watched us against Blackburn, where normally... Three, four months ago, we would have rolled them over. And we have got more players back right now from three months ago. We put better performances against Dortmund in St. Etienne than we did against Blackburn. James, I've got to say, as you're speaking, quite a number of Newcastle fans saying, yeah, I'm with James on that. Simon, where do you stand on James's point? Like, more, more immediately, the other night, Newcastle actually made Blackburn look better than they actually are. Possibly. I mean, ultimately, playing against championship sides in FA Cup always... Uh, affects teams more often than not. The difficult games are made more difficult. They've just come off the back of a of a bashing against Arsenal. The major thing is they've overcome Blackburn in the same way that Chelsea have overcome Leeds United. 
Um, Bournemouth didn't overcome Leicester. I know Blackburn are further down the pyramid, so I, I accept James's arguments. Look, if you look at the... I mean, we talked about it yesterday with Danny about legs in the middle of the park for Newcastle. Uh, and I think Joe Linton is a miss. Um, I think the boy, Miley, has a way to go. And I think Gimieres, it doesn't have the athleticism. I mean, I still maintain that the work that Eddie Howe has done is of a significant quality and that the expectations of Newcastle have been raised by the, the by the significant achievement of last season. Um, I, I, you know, I, I look at it and go, it was a game, yeah, it's an individual game that they didn't look great in. They didn't look great against Arsenal. They didn't look great against Arsenal because Arsenal were levels above them. Arsenal were a better side. There was more dynamism in Arsenal. Newcastle couldn't cope with it. They could not cope with the energy that Arsenal had. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that it's that fair... I understand the binary nature. If you don't know the answer to that question, then who does? Mm. But the players know the answer to that yeah. question more yeah. than the manager, and he will find out the answers for the to the question post the post match interview. James, listen, thank you for your call. Neil is another Newcastle fan who's desperate to join. Neil, good morning. What do you want to say, especially after what you've heard from James? Good morning, guys. Pleasure to speak to you both. Thank, thank you, um, Neil. I'm, I'm just a, a little bit disappointed that people are ringing up. Certainly, Newcastle fans ringing up and criticising Eddie Howe. I think he's had a really bad hand this season. He did immensely, immensely well last year. I think we definitely overachieved. Simon's right, he kind of stole me thunder. Um, yes, we have had injuries, but we've had important injuries, like our centre-forwards and also uh, Joe Linton. Huge miss. And, and trusting you know, the, the, the weight of Newcastle's success on a 17-year-old in midfield um, is, is grossly unfair. And, and I think that Newcastle fans have to bite their lip take this season for what it was um, looking in the cup draws, all the away draws and um, at the, the Carabao Cup, um, home to City away to United and, and then away to Chelsea which we were very unlucky in losing um, and, and I just think that we have to bite our lips wipe, wipe this season away and give the board members and whoever will be recruiting the opportunity to invest in some more talent to strengthen our squad to enable us to put on a better show next season because I don't believe, everybody said it, Simon said it in the summer, that we didn't have a strong, strong enough squad to compete on all fronts, i.e. Champions League Cups, um, because we'll get found out. The squad will tear up and, uh, and it, it's exactly what every pundit predicted. The world's most dangerous download, Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Well, now, we have massive news to announce today as TalkSport have secured the rights in the UK and Ireland to broadcast the Olympic Games in Paris in 2024. You will not miss a moment from Paris as TalkSport's team of experts and pundits provide commentary across every day of the Games this summer. Across the TalkSport network, there will be live commentary, expert analysis and every moment captured. I'm thrilled about that and I'm thrilled that this fella joins us live, Simon. You know him, I know him. President of the International Association of Athletics Federations, Seb Coe is with us. Seb, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you, sir. Good to, to speak to you. Simon's alongside me. Seb, how would you sum up the health and the status of the Olympics going into yet another Games this summer in Paris? Well, I can, I can sum up the health of my sport uh, and that's in good nick. We came out of Budapest last year, the World Championships. Great. Biggest broadcast numbers ever. Uh, great athletes. We've got great performances out there. Um, the Olympic Games, look, I, 
I'm probably not a reliable witness here, having gone through seven years of pain and torture in London to try and get <laughs> across the line. I, you know, it's a it's a life shortening experience being the president of an organising committee. <laughs> but look, Paris will be great. It's a it's a beautiful city, um, and I think they're making pretty good progress. But it's look, it's not without its challenges. By the way, you two are football guys. I'm sitting looking at the Lisbon Lions stand at Celtic. At Celtic Park. Yeah, that's the view outside my window at the moment. Fantastic. I'm old, I'm old enough to have actually watched that game in black and white. Seb, uh, uh, I am as well, sir. I am 66 years of age, and in, in 1967, Celtic became the first uh, British side to win the European Cup. Jimmy Johnson, Tommy Gemmell, uh, and everybody, Stevie Chalmers, got the winner. That's great to hear. What do you make of Celtic Park? Do you know the best stat around? That whole team, not one of them, were born with their, outside of a radius of 15 miles of Celtic Park. Yeah, yeah, it's quite incredible, isn't it? Wonderful. Yeah. It's quite a stadium, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Anyway, I digress. But our, our sport's <laughs> in good nick going into the Olympics. And the reason I'm talking to you with Celtic Park in the background is I'm in the stadium opposite, which is uh, has got our World Indoor Track and Field Championships. Right. about tomorrow right excellent excellent well welcome to the east end of glasgow simon mm, very much seb i mean you talk about the health of the sport and obviously the expectation levels going into this uh to the olympics is that that we're going to have some significant achievements but the cut through in terms of the perception of athletics because i remember you and i spoke a couple of months ago when you when you did the show with me on something else about athletics and the challenges that you've had but how is the cut through for the sport because i look at you and i look at the the time when i watched athletics you and steve and other people on daily and you were household names and yet it doesn't feel that athletics has that prowess and i know you tweeted about the um the uh the sports uh, person of the Year Award, where one of the athletes that had won world records and set things hadn't even been considered on the shortlist. So how does the sport look in the eyes of the main public? Uh, look, I, I don't think Josh Kerr not making it into the top six in the BBC Sports Review of the Year had much to do with the status of the sport. I think it had a little bit more to do with the people on the selection panel. That's for another day. But look, the the sport is in good, Nick. But Simon, you're right. Um, you, you've talked about Sadly, you've talked about a very different era. You've talked about an era where there weren't multiple broadcast channels. You've talked about an era, and Jim, you would remember what I'm saying, is football was not a massively strong product. You know, when people like me and Daly and Tessa and, you know, the athletes came along, we weren't battling against football that was a Premier League product. We weren't battling against a rejuvenated Rugby, uh, you know, cricket was in and out. Rugby, we were getting slaughtered every week by the Welsh. You know, the <laughs> football, you know, we were we were banned. Parents weren't really that encouraging of their kids go. You know, it's a very it was a very different world. I remember Simon. I, I sort of reminisced a bit, but Brendan Foster always made me made me smile. The other day, he said when when he organised the Gateshead track meet. Newcastle United used to ask him at the beginning of the season, was he going on Friday night or Saturday? Uh, because if they went on Saturday, Newcastle United the crowds, yeah. the Friday night. So it was a very, very different landscape. So we're competing in a very, very different world. Um, and, you know, again, there were a few TV channels. Now we've got stuff being live streamed 
every day, everywhere. It's on phones and in everybody's home. Um, it's it's different, but I don't. But think... yet, but yet, Seb, you you guys are at the cutting edge of some quite significant decisions to make with the Belarusian and Russian issues yeah, and the transgender right. issues. Yeah. Athletics is the one that cuts through these issues, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we don't do it for you know, look. We don't do it for PR reasons. We do it because we actually genuinely think it's they're the right decisions. Transgender uh, is pretty clear cut to me. If if you know, I'm elected to represent the global sport. One of my, you know, an element of that mandate is to protect the female category. Uh, if I don't do that, no woman will ever win another sporting event. You know, we're up here watching, you know, indoors, tra indoor track and field. There are only two truly global sports. I think we would probably concede. We would certainly concede football, track and field. You know, we've got over 200 countries competing. This isn't the biggest world championships we've got. We've still got approaching 140 countries here, 650 athletes over the weekend. Um, and it's very important that when young girls are coming to that stadium, that they leave feeling that they can take part in a sport where there's a level playing field, they can go out and find out where their local athletics club is, uh, and they're not going to be thwarted uh, at the end of 10 years of hard slog, you know, across country and in gyms and on the track because we've played fast and loose with the female category. It's where we are, and we're not going to move off well that. Said. Yeah, well, <laughs> well said. Yes, indeed, Seb. Um, Seb, you say the sport's in good nick. Are you still lobbying for cheaper tickets for the Olympics? <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't immediately put me on the Christmas card list in Paris. But look, I, I, <laughs> let, let, let me be really open about this. It's not easy. You know, we had expensive tickets in London, and, and that's the way it should be. But we also had... You know, for instance, we had schemes where if you had kids that were seven and eight, they paid seven and eight pounds. Parents paid seven and eight pounds to bring them in the stadium. Uh, it's 25 percent of a local organizing committee budget. That's quite a lot of you know, that's quite a lot of pressure on an organizing committee. So all I was really saying is that I just want fans in a stadium uh, that are track and field fans and, and that we've got to be really careful. And this isn't just about the Olympic Games. It's when we stage a world championships. We want to make sure we've got families bringing kids into stadiums because that's that's your bloodline. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. An extremely significant story breaking this lunchtime on Paul Pogba. And my colleague here at TalkSport, Alex Crook, can bring us more. Alex, good afternoon. What can you bring us? Good afternoon, Jim. Good afternoon, Simon. As you say, this is seismic news, really. Paul Pogba, not only a former Manchester United player, but a World Cup winner with France, no less. And we're hearing from Italy this lunchtime that he's been handed a four-year ban from football that after he failed a drugs test last August. Uh, Pogba, 30 years of age now, so this will effectively be his top-level career over. He tested positive for testosterone after Juventus' opening game of the season against Udinese and prosecutors in Italy have given him this four-year ban now as a hefty punishment for his crimes. Uh, details uh, outside of that pretty sketchy at this moment in time. We have reached out to representatives of Pogba and we may well get a statement uh, before you leave us at one o'clock this afternoon. But Paul Pogba, uh, once of Manchester United, World Cup winner with France, banned for four years for failing that drugs test. Alex, I remember the game, as you rightly say, against Udinese on August the 20th. If memory serves me right, he didn't play in that match. He was on Juve's bench. Um, he opted not to make a plea bargain with Italy's anti-doping agency, meaning the case was tried before the country's anti-doping court. It's likely he'll appeal. It's likely those on his behalf will appeal, wouldn't you think? I would imagine so. And I think when we do get this statement, and we may well get it pretty imminently, they will confirm that, that Pogba continues to protest his innocence and will indeed uh, try and appeal this this four-year punishment. But they must be fairly convinced, prosecutors, that this punishment fits the crime. It is a hefty suspension, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, just to re-emphasize that breaking news, uh, Alex bringing us the news this lunchtime that Paul Pogba has been handed a four-year ban from football uh, due to doping. Simon, this is a this this is a World Cup winner. This was a guy who yeah. had it all literally at yeah. his feet. Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately no one wants to see him in this position. I mean, it's a standard form if you get if you get found guilty under VADA coding, um uh, 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 WADA, sorry, then you're gonna find yourself in a situation where you get a four year ban. Now that happens that's the standard form. Whether he can reduce it on appeal, what that means is at the very least he could be out of the game for two years if he gets it reduced to two years, and then even then a two year situation probably spells the end of his career. Look, I mean, he will protest his innocence, but the results are the results are the results are the results. If he's got this, these 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 um, um, uh, PEDs or whatever they are, these testosterone boosters in his system, yeah, then he's going to have to find a way to explain that or in, in on appeal. But he can't because he's already been found guilty. So it's not about whether he's guilty or not. It's about whether the the the, the uh, punishment is punitive. It's a it's a sad end to Pogba because, as you say, you know, he, he was revered as one of the best midfielders. I mean, he's been criticised for his performances at Manchester United. He was criticised by by his peers for not being at the level that he should have been at. He's gone back to Italian football because that was his natural home. Mm. And he gets himself banned for drugs. Yes. Uh, Alex, he's... It's not a good look for football either. It, it is not. Alex, he's, he's 30 now. Um, you have to think, of course, since then, he hasn't featured for uh, Juventus. Uh, that was way back in August the 20th. We're now in February, uh, uh, the following year. Um, you have to think, as Simon rightly says, this certainly, if not the end, is the beginning of the end, right? 
Yeah, and I think as I said there, it's, it's certainly the end of his his top level career. I mean, you you could argue that his top level career ended a long time ago. I think when you look back at Paul Pogba, I think it's a story really of, of unfulfilled talent. He, he's clearly got the ability, demonstrated that with the role that he played when France did win the World Cup. Didn't do it in in two spells at, at Manchester United. I think most United fans think it was probably a mistake to bring him back after the nature of his departure when Sir Alex Ferguson was manager. He's, he's gone back to Italy. And obviously this is a, a very sad way for quite a decorated career to be reaching its conclusion. I think you have to say at the age of 30, it is reaching its conclusion because even if he's successful in his appeal, you could imagine that would only be a reduced ban as opposed to getting the ban overturned completely. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. One wonders if we're going to see him play again, not only for Juventus, if at all for any club, if at all internationally uh, for France. One would think that now is in serious doubt this lunchtime, right? Well, it's difficult to see, given the fact that he will be out of the game for a significant period of time, even at the best case scenario, if he's managing to, to do what other people have done in sport, which is reduce the ban from four years to two years or even less than that, it still puts him in a position <coughs> where he's going to be out of competitive football for a significant period of time and the game will have moved on. Obviously, Juventus have got him under contract. They're going to have to deal with the contractual issues surrounding that. I'm assuming that his contract will be frustrated by the fact that he's breached um, doping regulations. So subsequently, it's an interesting one because you don't see much of this in football. Um, You know, you see instances of it and we've got high-profile cases that have had recreational drug issues, whether that be Mutu or or many years ago, Diego Maradona. But most of the instances, even Pep Guardiola um, was was found to be in a situation where he was taking substances that he subsequently cleared himself of yeah. at a late stage. Lots of players have had have had issues, but they've all managed to clear themselves. Pogba decided not to to, to do a, to, to to do a plea deal. Mm. Decided to take the case on. Yeah, and now finds himself with a four year ban. Well, four years was the maximum ban they could impose. Um, I'm getting more information on this at the moment. Um, we're having it confirmed that Pogba will appeal the length of the ban but of course uh, to do that and to be successful with that he would need to prove that he didn't take the substances intentionally so it would seem there's a bit to go yet in this story but the the seismic headline news this lunchtime is that Pogba has been banned from all football for the next four years Eric Bilderman of uh, L'Equipe in Paris is right across it Eric good afternoon to you is this the end for Paul Pogba? Yeah, good afternoon. Um, yes, uh, it's obviously the end. Four years uh, at the end, uh, at the, end, the age of uh, Paul Pogba, it's obviously the end. And even before that, I would even say that due to uh, a freak of injuries in the last uh, three, four years, that uh, we can even consider that he was uh, on the dark side of his career uh, for quite a while. He was, I would even say, uh, it was out of the radar of the French public in terms of uh, of uh, attention uh, around him. So how is he viewed by the French football public now? I mean, will, will, will they look upon him now with a feeling of total disdain? I don't think he will be negatively regarded uh, because uh, we will remember that he was a World Cup winner and he was, uh, a, I would say, one of the nucleus of the French Winning uh, World Cup team, he was uh, he was one of the very uh, one of the soul of the team. So for that, we will be forever grateful uh, on him. But uh, by playing at Man United without without really achieving a lot, then uh, and before to Juventus Torino, uh, not also achieving in the in the second part of it being a lot of uh, injury. 
and not being too much available for France, uh, we have forgotten a bit about him. And also, I must mention that he was also uh, a victim uh, from his brother and uh, uh, former uh, friends from the suburb where he was grown up as a, as a kid who were trying to blackmail him and to steal money from him. And uh, he was for a couple of hours um, uh, taken by uh, his uh, so-called friend and taken to an apartment under the threat with, um, with guns uh, to, to, yes. give, uh, yes. to give them some money. So uh, for that also, we have some pain for him. Yeah. Eric, finally, I mean, thank you for joining us. But finally, I mean, you, one must assume Pogba is devastated by this news this lunchtime. Having said that, Eric, he's had plenty of time to prepare for the bad news. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, we knew it was gonna it's gonna to happen because uh, first uh, test was positive, second test was positive. Uh, the story was uh, unfortunately ahead of us, but in a certain extent behind us. Yes, and uh, uh, <coughs> we are all focusing on uh, on Kylian Mbappe in front at the moment. Uh, we try to look forward, but uh, the players of the future more than the players of the past. Sure. Eric Bilderman, not for the first time, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. Eric Bilderman of L'Equipe newspaper, of course. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. That's right, it's Thursday lunchtime and this is when Spencer Oliver comes in and join us as we talk boxing, of course. Uh, big fights coming down the pipe, not least in Ganu against Joshua, not least Fury uh, against Usyk. And I'm delighted to say, Spencer, you have brought a good chum from the very industry in which you work. Yes, I certainly have. Angel Fernandez, um, trainer of many great fighters and currently Fraser Clark, um, Richard Riakpo. And others, um, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for uh, for inviting me, uh, and uh, it's a pleasure. And I'm just ready to go. Andrew Fernandez, good to meet you. Um, Mr. Jordan and I were somewhat submerged in big breaking news there in the world of football. I'm quite sure you're familiar with the name Paul Pogba, but he finds himself in a bit of trouble making headline news of not of the sort that he would wish for this lunchtime. But we're thrilled to have you in here. Um, every anyone we speak to in the world of boxing says this guy is the best a top <laughs> top trainer when, when did when did you acquire this love of boxing um i wouldn't say i'm the best um obviously i haven't uh, had my world champion yet um i keep myself humble you know uh, i work hard as everybody else and uh, i'm a huge believer i'm i'm sure probably spence will, will agree with me um the fighters mm -hmm. the coach um i do believe in great coaching as well you know you will improve the fighter but I'm always going to go with the fighter makes the coach. I mean, Angel, you, you've got an incredible story, really, haven't you? I mean, going yeah. back, you know, you were brought up in Spain, moved to Lanzarote, um, you know, moved to the, when you moved to Lanzarote, you got yourself involved in boxing, boxed as an amateur there as well, um, then decided to become a trainer, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So where it's like, I'll box in this country as an amateur. Okay, so, right. And what took me to boxing was it's a funny one because obviously I was doing kickboxing in Spain and... Um, I kind of like thought, oh, oh, I am that man. And uh, at the time, a coach kind of like took me to do a sparring session with uh, the Spanish Open Middleweight at the time. And he just bit me to just like, just, just to the ground. I was thinking, 
wow, no, 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 something has to change here. And that's what kind of like took me into boxing. Well, listen, like fast forward, like, it took you into boxing, but then you become a trainer. I mean, mm-hmm. this is quite a remarkable story, actually, on how you got involved with. I know you trained Isaac Chamberlain, yeah. first of all. You've done a little bit with Isaac. And then like fast forward on how you got involved with Anthony Joshua, because quite a, quite a remarkable story. Obviously, you know, I think it was the changes that has been made on, uh, on Isaac Chamberlain. Uh, well, took datation of AJ and I think it's just like one night he just like randomly follow me on Instagram and I'm like no way so AJ <laughs> so I kind of like you know he was going to fight uh, Ruiz uh, in New York so I kind of like wishing the the, the best of luck he rep- he responds back was like you know I'm really looking forward to 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 have a session with you and um I think just randomly after after the fight I think it was I don't know a week or just a few days, he messaged me back on Instagram. Some member of my team is going to get in touch with you. And the story. And is the rest is like, history. The rest is history, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. And of course, we know uh, that he, he got involved with Reese in Madison Square Garden and lost that fight. Yeah. Was that was that a major shock to you? It certainly was to to most people in the world of boxing. Yeah, obviously, obviously it was. I remember I had an interview back then and kind of like, I, th- I think I did say, I mean, He's going, to, he's going to beat Reese within four or five rounds. And yeah, I yeah. woke up in the morning because I was with another fighter on that Saturday. And when I woke up Sunday morning and I thought, oh my God, I just can't believe that. But listen, <laughs> you know, there were situations in the camp, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you spend, you know, um, and you know, like it's not out in the public, but the thing is, it's like, you know, you probably had an injury. And listen, I think sometimes uh, Lucy's brings you kind of like, you know, down the line to, to, to the best of you. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. We're talking boxing this Thursday lunchtime. Spencer Oliver is uh, with Simon and myself, and we are thrilled to be joined here in studio by top boxing trainer uh, Angel Fernandez, who is in here and talking with real direct knowledge of having worked with Anthony Joshua. Joshua set to go in against Francis Ngannou over in Saudi Arabia. Later on, we're going to hear from the man who inflicted uh, that huge cut to Tyson Fury's eye in sparring. Uh, The Croatian sparring partner of Fury, he will join us as well and he will talk about exactly what happened then and that caused the postponement, of course, of the fight between uh, Fury and Usyk. But Angel Fernandez is with us. Um, Angel, you've got us absolutely intrigued because your story is is an extremely interesting one. You get involved with Anthony Joshua because he came to you. You didn't go to him, and you get involved with Joshua. And from the get go, you seem to influence him in the right way. Because the second time around, when he fought Ruiz, you were working with him, and he won that one. And then he beat Kubrat Pulev, and then it slightly went pear shaped because next for him was the first of the two fights against Usyk. And of course, what do we know there? He lost them both. Many people were saying, what what was his preparation like going in against Usyk first time around? Do you want to talk us through that? Obviously, the first fight, I wouldn't say the preparation um, was the best. Um, a lot of situations, you know, obviously, head trainer Rob was in Tokyo with, um, with GB Boxing. Um, and kind of like, I think I felt a lack of I don't know leadership and instructor into a into the training, um, and obviously, it's when you go. I mean, I had conversations with Eddie. You, you need to really go and stick on this guy. It kind of like you know sometimes fighters they just think this is the way, and it's very hard to 
to get them out of that belief that they have. So he kind of like, because obviously all the public when, you know, he can box, he, he kind of move, he's static. So he went, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I'm going to beat him in the way that everyone thinks I'm not going to do it. Mm. So he sort of, he made the wrong decisions himself yeah. there massively because his main strengths are obviously, you know, fighting with his heart on his sleeve, going in there. But it sounds like when... McCracken was out in Tokyo. Like we know what Anthony Joshua was like, and Anthony Joshua, you know, from the psychological side of things, he likes everything to be in place. Yeah, it's like yeah. a little bit of OCD, but, really. Do, where but did you admit, Andrew, you got the tactics wrong first time around against Usyk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think I mean, just, it didn't work as a team. You it didn't just work. Did, it just didn't work as a team. You know, like three voices. You know, three coaches don't work. I mean, three different approaches as well. Obviously, we 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 try to respect each other. You know, as much as as as, as we can, but. It's kind of like you're having three captains in in, in a boat. It's, 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 it's just that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And thereafter, next time he fights him, and again, it's the same result. I mean, what was it that Usyk had that Joshua could not cope with? Obviously, you can watch a fighter, you can analyse a fighter. This is what you're going to, in a way, expect. But you don't know that till you face the man in front of you. And um, maybe just saw something he got underneath his skin. Um, and we went back to back. We didn't have the time to maybe after that defeat to build a bit of confidence. Um, you know, maybe with other fighters, we just went straight away to the guy that defeated Anthony in the first fight. Um, and the second cup again is... It's a lot, a lot of situations. His his head wasn't wasn't there, you know. Obviously, because yeah, you know, a defeat is 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 hard to take. Very, yeah. very, very hard to take. Especially the second one, wasn't Andrew, it, Simon? Andrew, can I just the second loss is the fruit of the poison tree from the first loss. Yes, the first loss starts the challenges for Anthony Joshua. Obviously, Ruiz he loses to he wins he beats Ruiz. I'm trying to understand with you two guys in his corner, and I understand that having more than one voice can be distracting. Whose decision was it to allow Anthony Joshua to take Usyk on in a fight in the only way that Anthony Joshua could have possibly lost that fight, which is fighting Usyk's fight? Because it seems to me that, that that's a decision that's being made that you've accepted, that Rob McCracken's accepted, and that conventional wisdom would have said nobody in their right mind would have ever told Anthony Joshua to fight Usyk the way he fought him in the first fight. That's the only way he probably loses that fight. So I'm trying to understand how that manifests itself because it's always been a question because mm. I've I heard rumours from very reliable sources that Anthony Joshua walks into various environments asking trainers of other fighters what well, before he's walking into a ring in a world title fight how would you fight this fight now that to me s strikes at the very heart of some of the challenges that might have happened there can you just explain to us how that manifests itself obviously I mean yeah there is stories that um, happened in terms of like Asking hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you fight this guy? Um, what do you think I should do? Hours before a world title fight. Hours, days, weeks, months. Um And sometimes, like, as a trainer, you try to control everything as much as you can. Um, but then sometimes, as much as you try to convince your fighter this is the way, at the end of the day, I'm not saying this is Anthony Joshua's fault. It's also my fault. Yeah. I'm the first one to to, to, to accept the, the um, how would you say, the, the error in this. The in blame. The, yeah, the blame. Um, because I should have done better. And my message to him after the first fight was I, I failed you. I failed you in a way like uh, I should have been this way. And I kind of like, I just went with everything. And and I think it was complacency by everyone. We kind right. of like just felt comfortable. Yeah. We, we we maybe, I wouldn't say undermine Usyk, but we kind of just felt, oh, he's just, just uh, another guy. Yeah, Under, I, maybe underestimated Usyk. But you know what struck me, Angel? I didn't recognise the Anthony Joshua after the second defeat, who was getting out of the ring, then get back in the ring, grabbed the microphone and started sounding off. Mm. We didn't see that coming, did you? I did. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see that coming either. But again, if I am on Anthony Joshua's skin, I will probably maybe react pretty much the same. It's in the heat in the moment. I know like mm. from from ourselves sitting here, we adjust that, we look at that, we analyze that and we go, I wouldn't do it. And you wouldn't do it till you're there in that moment and that happens to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, just to give you, obviously this is out of the topic, but obviously we, re- we do recreate a lot of like situations if a knockout happens uh, in a fight. This is what I want you to do, guys. If you hurt, we're doing this. If you if you sort of not so hurt, we're doing this. And then I went to Sergio to 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 Vegas, and he got knocked out. And as soon as he touched the floor, boom, back up again. Mm-hmm. And I said, I told you this, and I even remind him of that. And he went, Listen, you could have told me we could have done three thousand drills on that. I would still be doing the same. Yeah. In defence yeah. of Anthony yeah. Joshua, so, in yeah, defence of Anthony Joshua, in that situation, in that second Usyk fight, when he got out of the ring, went back in the ring, and right. everything else. Jim, right. what people must understand is, and I have been in this situation before, when you've done a twelve rounder and you've had a twelve rounder like that, your your head's not thinking straight. Sure. So yeah. when you're not thinking straight because you've been through there, there is a there is an element of concussion there. But with that, there is emotions as well. And when you mix those two up, you do stupid things. And I think Joshua, by the time he got to the press conference room recognised what he had done and recognised that what he'd done was stupid. And I think that that's why he was so emotional in that press conference when yeah. he had that breakdown. Yeah. So, you know, in defence of Anthony Joshua and their behaviour in that, it was just a heat-of-the-moment thing that can happen, and I recognise why that can happen after a 12-rounder. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We're back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.